Lynn Nguyen came to the United States as a teenager. She went to college here. She got a job here. Things were great until there was a problem with her immigration papers. And she wanted to just go home and hang out with her family until everything was resolved, but she was afraid if I go back to Vietnam, that's where she was from, if I go back to Vietnam, that might complicate the immigration process, and so she just stayed. But now she's here without her family, without a job, waiting, and waiting, and waiting. And eventually, she began to wonder, does God see me? Does he care about me? Will he take care of me? We're studying the book of Isaiah. And God's people in the exile, we're, we're asking the exact same questions. Does God notice me? Does he care about me? Is he going to take care of me? And whereas for Lynn, this, these were still just questions that she ultimately answered uh, in a positive way. For the people of God in the exile, uh, the questions had metastasized into full-on doubt. They had, had actually concluded, no, God does not care for me. God is not caring for me. And in our text today, Isaiah tells us how to come back from that place in our hearts. So when the pressure is on and you are tired, you're weary, the hardship has just been You've been bearing up under the weight of the hardship and you're exhausted and you don't think you can do it anymore. Boy, the evil one is right there. Tempting you to doubt God's care. I love fly fishing. And in the last couple of years, I've gotten into dry fly fishing. And so with dry fly fishing, you're, you're dropping the fly on the water, on top of the water. And you're imitating some kind of an insect. And the fish then sees it, decides that's good for me, swallows it. I love it because the fish comes up and over the fly. You get to see the fish's body as it's swallowing the fly. When you are tired, the evil one is dropping a lie out there like I drop that dry fly and he wants you to swallow it. And the lie is God doesn't care about me, you, and God isn't going to take care of you. And if I will, if Satan can get us to swallow that lie, it begins to wreak havoc spiritually in our lives. Because think about what happens. As soon as we conclude God doesn't care about me and God won't take care of me, we're going to then look to someone or something other than God to take care of us. And it might be that we just look at ourselves or we look at another person. That's some kind of a form of idolatry. But often it leads us into sin. And how many Christians who have concluded God's not going to take care of me, so i got to take care of myself, and that leads them into alcohol and drug addiction. 
into sexual immorality, into greed, into crime, into affairs, all kinds of things. And so we don't want to go there. Now, the fact of the matter is, life uh, brings hardship. In this world, you'll have trouble, Jesus says. And, and the, the fact is, there will be, we will be under the pressure of the hardship at times, and we're going to get tired. We're going to get weary of bearing up under the hardship. And we have a choice when we're tired. And the choice is whether or not we're going to wait on the Lord to rescue us in his timing or whether we are going to con uh, conclude that God doesn't care about it, isn't going to take care of us and go out on our own. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 40. Today we're looking at verses 27 to 31. And in this text, Isaiah gives us uh, four questions to ask ourselves that can help us recover our confidence that God cares about us and is taking care of us. Verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? By the way, uh, whatsoever a man thinks in his heart, that's who he is, and... Uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what we say reflects our heart. And so what the people of God are saying reflects what their hearts are saying. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Number one, my way is hidden from the Lord. God doesn't see me. Now, the people of God's theology was good enough that it's not that they didn't believe God had the ability to see them. What they're saying is God isn't taking notice of me. God isn't caring about me. He doesn't see my problem and my pain. I'm, I'm not registering on his radar screen. And my right is disregarded by my God. So God's people were bringing to God in prayer their hardship, their, their tiredness, their suffering. And they're, but they're, God's not acting like they want him to act and on their timetable. And so their conclusion is God's disregarding my right. He's not giving me justice. He's not healing the relationship. He's not healing my body. He's not healing my heart. God's not acting on my behalf, fighting for me, taking care of me. So they're concluding God doesn't care about me and God isn't taking care of me. And that conclusion is metastasized in their hearts and it's leading them to unhealthy places spiritually. And so Isaiah speaks into that. And he gives them four questions uh, to ask that help, can help us come out of that and convince us uh, of God's care and uh, and be and heal that doubt. First question, first and second question are found in verse twenty-eight. Have you not known? Isaiah says, "Have you not heard? The Lord's the everlasting God, the Creator of the ends of the earth. 
He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. First question to ask is this. Has God been faithful to me in the past? Have you not known? What's, what's been your experience of God so far? Now, Lynn says that when she was doubting, she went back to her diary and read. And what she read was her own personal uh, testimony to, the, to God's faithfulness in her life. She said, I read about how God had gotten me to America from Vietnam. Amazing story. And how I met great people in America who helped me with the English language. And God ended up getting me into a, into a college. And then he got me through college successfully. And then he got me this great job. And she said, as I read my diary and rehearsed God's past faithfulness to me, it, it encouraged me, inspired me to trust God with my present difficulty. In fact, she said that at the bottom of every uh, diary entry, she had written this. I don't know my future, but I trust in God, the one who knows my future. So ask yourself, uh, how's God treated me in the past? And if you, if you look back, you'll see every time you trusted God, he came through for you. You know, the people of God often erected memorials, physical reminders of God's faithfulness. For example, when God brought them out of the land of Egypt and across the Red Sea, miraculously through the Red Sea, they erected a pile of stones to, as a memorial to what God had done for them, not just for them, but for their children and their children's children. And they did that so that people would remember God has been faithful to us. He's acted on our behalf. And we need to remember those things because in the present hardship, in the present exhaustion, sometimes we can begin to doubt God's care. So the first question to ask is, how has God treated me in the past? And the answer is, he has been faithful in the past. If he's been faithful in the past, why wouldn't I assume that he'll be faithful to me now? Second question is this, what has God said about himself? So have you not known, personal experience, have you not heard? What has been taught to you? What has God self-revealed about himself in the Bible? The Bible is God's, the, the record of God's self-revelation, which is ultimately brought back about in the person of Jesus Christ. And so what does, in the Bible, what does God say about himself? Does he say, I'm not going to care about you sometimes, and I'm not going to take care about, of you sometimes? Is that what he says? No. He says that he's always taking care of us. He's working everything out in our lives for good. And Isaiah highlights four things that we know about God because God has told us. Number one, the Lord is the everlasting God. He's the I am. He's never had a beginning and he won't have an end. He's eternal. And so he, he doesn't change. And his eternality, what does that say about his purposes? 
It says that his purposes include all time. And his purposes include those who have come before us and those who will come after us. God's purposes are eternal. Our purposes are very limited by, by the fact that we live in the here and now. The Lord is the everlasting God. Number two, he is the creator of the ends of the earth. As creator, he has all power. He is in control of our lives. And he's the creator of the ends of the earth. He cares about the whole globe, all people on the planet. He does care about you, but his purposes include the whole earth and all people throughout all time. Not just you, not just me. And so our purposes are limited by the fact that we dwell at one point of time in one, one place on the earth. We care about me and mine. And God, God has a much bigger purpose. Number three, he does not grow faint or weary. God's not on siesta. He's not taking a break and you're getting, you know, uh, having a crisis while God's up there relaxing. No, he is always on task, energetically pursuing his good and perfect purposes. Uh, you're not getting lost in the shuffle. What is he is allowing in your life is fitting into his master plan. And then finally, his understanding is unsearchable. My ways are not your ways says the Lord. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so my thoughts are above your thoughts. God has the whole picture, perfect understanding. You don't. I don't. Our understanding is limited. And so you put all this together, and here's what, here's what I think it says. We're, you're, we're crazy to ask God to run the world, much less our lives, according to our vision and our plans and our desires and what seems best to us. Rather, leave it in the hands of the creator who's eternal, who cares about the whole earth, who is always working and who has perfect understanding and who loves us and who loves us. So don't, don't get mad at God and disappointed with God when he doesn't do what you want him to do on your timetable. Instead, trust. Trust his promise, his claim, his assertion, I love you. I'm taking care of you. I've got great plans for you. Everything in your life, I am working out for good. Trust me. Relax. Let me take care of it. Don't, don't doubt. Don't struggle. Just wait. Wait on me. So, how has God uh, treated me in the past? Faithfully. Secondly, what does he say about himself? He says he's got me in his care. Third question. Do I want to go through this on my own or buoyed up by God? Verse 29, he gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. 
Even youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. Youth, young men, uh, these are choice people. The most entered, they're the Olympians. Even Olympic quality humans, the most energetic, well put together uh, people on the planet don't have the strength to bear up under some of the pressures of life. Even even youths shall faint. Young men shall fall exhausted. You and I do not have what it takes to bear up under some of life's hardships. Eventually, it will tap us out. But the good news is God gives people his strength so that they can bear up under the weight of life and not just survive, but thrive. Now, do you want to go through life on your own or do you want God to strengthen you? Because here's what happens when we say God doesn't care about me. God isn't going to take care of me. We turn away from God and we, we head out to somewhere else and someone else. And that means we are doomed to deal with life on our own and in our own strength. And we will fall and will fail. Rather, what you do when you're tired is you turn to the Lord. You turn to the Lord for strength. So you got to ask yourself, do I want to go through this alone on my own strength? Or do I want to be strengthened by God? And if I want to be strengthened by God, then I don't want to be running away from him. I want to be running toward him. When you are exhausted, when you are tired, when you feel tapped out, you turn toward the Lord. Don't run away from him. Final uh, question to ask yourself. So first question, how has God treated me in the past? He's been faithful to me in the past. Why wouldn't I believe he'll be faithful to me in the present? Um, secondly, what, God, what has God said about himself? What he said is, I care about you. I will take care of you. And uh, thirdly, do, you want, do I want to go through this alone? No, I want God's to strengthen me in life. And then the, the final question is, how, what, do, what does waiting on the Lord look, for, look like for me right now? Because that's, that's what Isaiah says we need to do. Uh, don't, don't doubt. Don't say to yourself, God doesn't care. God won't take care of me. What you, what you want to do is wait on the Lord. Verse 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength... They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? To wait on the Lord. This is a very, very, very important spiritual principle. A spiritual practice. A spiritual truth. You will be called on upon to wait on the Lord. And waiting on the Lord at times in our lives 
is what God asks us to do, what we must do if we want uh, to have renewed strength and thrive spiritually. So what, is it, what does that mean, wait on the Lord? Well, it means three things. Number one, it means trust that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do. So you are waiting on the Lord when you are trusting that he is who he says he is and that he'll do what he says he will do. Number two, waiting on the Lord involves entrusting. So you trust and then you entrust. You entrust to the Lord your life, your hardship, your heartache, your need for justice, your need for your, your needs, your desires, your fears, your anxieties. You entrust those to the Lord. So you're trusting that he is who he says he is and he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And then you to actively entrust yourself and your situation, your pain, your tiredness to the Lord. God, uh, I am entrusting to you my desire to, to have a child someday. God, I am entrusting to you my desire for justice. God, I am in, entrusting to you my need to have my, to pay off my debts and have, uh, be taken care of financially. God, I am entrusting to you my desire to get married. God, I am entrusting to you the state of my relationship with my kids. I want reconciliation with my kids. God, I am entrusting to you. You have, you have, uh, you, you have situations, you have needs, you have desires, and trust in the Lord. So to wait means, number one, you trust. God is who he says he is. He's going to do what he says he's going to do. Number two, you entrust yourself to the Lord moment by moment as, as the need arises, the anxiety arises. And then number three, waiting involves patience. It involves patience. Waiting means you allow God to rescue you on his timetable. Right? Waiting means you don't go out and look for another savior who's going to do it as quickly as you want it done. You wait for God to rescue you in his time and in his way. And that is the, that is the way of faith. The way of faith. And waiting is hard. Why is waiting hard? Because we desperately want rescued from the hardship. Now notice, notice that the rescue that Isaiah speaks about here is not a change of the situation, although that is often part of the rescue. So for Lynn uh, Nguyen, eventually the immigration paperwork got all sorted out and she said it was pretty miraculous how it did and then she got her job back, situation change. Um, Yesterday, I got great news that Punta Luce, uh, the Shaftsmas are uh, the church that they planted in Italy, and uh, there had been this big legal case. They'd been told, you can't meet here anymore, uh, break city ordinances, and many, many months ago, they went ahead and filed a, uh, a lawsuit saying this breaches the freedom of religion in Italy. It was a big deal, and, but they've been waiting months and months and months for justice. 
and not knowing how, when's God going to resolve this? How's he going to resolve it? We prayed for them, lots of prayers. Yesterday got the great news. They'd won the lawsuit. Justice, justice had finally come. And so, yes, uh, God's salvation will often come with a change in circumstances. The exiles, after 70 years, got to return home to the promised land. But that's not what Isaiah says here. Isaiah doesn't say um, the hardship will eventually end. What he says is, you shall renew your strength. So, there are two, you know, imagine that I've got some weight bearing down on me. You're a backpack, you're Alaskans, you've all been on uh, backpack trips, right? And that backpack, after a while, you're just so, it's just weighing you down. Oh my goodness, so heavy. Two things can happen. Number one, take off the backpack. That'll give me a sense of relief. Or number two, give me Kevin Glenn's body. If you don't know Kevin Glenn, he's a big strapping guy who could carry a much bigger backpack than I could, right? Give me more strength so I can bear up under the pressure. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. God might take the hardship away, but what he'll certainly do is strengthen you so that you can bear up, so that you can not just survive, but thrive in the midst of the life that God has given you, even if that includes hardship. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. So uh, I live on Otis Lake, and there's a resident eagle. And so I get to see this eagle, majestic eagle, flying around all the time. Now, the eagle doesn't flap his wings all that often. He's a master at catching the air currents. And so he just seems to float around and he, he swoops down and then it, it, he feels these updrafts and he whips out his, his uh, wings to catch the updraft. Whoa, he just soars. And so that's what we do. God provides the updraft and we, when we wait on him, we, ex- we are extending our wings, trusting in him. And we mount up. We catch God's updraft. If you will wait on the Lord. So you're tired. But you say, God, I trust you. I trust that you are who you say you are. That you're going to do what you say you're going to do. God, I am entrusting myself to you right now. And God, I am going to, I'm going to let you rescue me on your timetable. And in your way, I'm going to be patient. Not going to look for another savior. That's waiting on the Lord. If you do that, he will renew your strength. What a promise. So, the Holy Spirit works through the preaching of his word. And right now, you might know absolutely, this is me. I'm tired. And you know what? Like Lynn, I've begun to question if God cares about me and whether God will take care of me. Maybe you've gone so far that you're like the God's people in the exile and that those questions have metastasized into full-on doubt. And the Spirit of God right now wants to pull you back from that. He wants to uh, break that lie that you've swallowed. 
It wants to just rip it out of you and return you to a place of trust and waiting on the Lord. So if you've got paper and a pencil right now, I want you to write this down. I want you to pull it out, and and I want you to just say, God, this is what waiting on you means for me today. I'm going to give you a minute to do that, then I'll pray to conclude this. Waiting on you right now looks like this for me. Just write that down. All right, and then commit yourself to waiting on the Lord and, and, then, and then wait and wait for his, expect his strength to come and uh, let you, help you soar and bear up under uh, the burdens of life. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. God, I thank you that you have, you, that you care enough about us that you have revealed yourself to us, ultimately in the person of Jesus Christ, and you have preserved a record of your self-revelation in the Bible so that we can know you and know your heart toward us, your goodness toward us, your promises to us, that we may know you and trust you and find strength for life. And Lord, we confess how quickly we begin to doubt your care and how tempted we are to run off and and find, let someone else be our Savior. And we say no to that. We will wait on our God to take care of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.